We serve and worship only our God, choosing the good and the right, believing all things are unfolding in God's view. Thanks be to God who makes all things new. But oh, how we are tempted. <laughs> and sometimes we don't choose the right. And sometimes we fail the temptation. Sometimes we don't follow the example of Jesus. Sometimes the right choice or action just seems too hard. The season of Lent is a time of spiritual preparation for that great celebration of the church, which is Easter. And uh, it can be a time to experience God making all things new. It's a season of self-reflection and some people make those personal sacrifices, focusing on the long days of sacrifice that Jesus made as he set his face to Jerusalem. I remember when I was serving here, there was a certain member of the bell choir who gave up chocolate for Lent. She loved chocolate. And, and it was a good reminder because she was reminded to practice her Lenten discipline every day because she was thinking about that chocolate. So that year we had the uh, early Easter service out under the trees. And right after that service, I pulled out my little Giardelli chair, square of chocolate and gave it to her. I have never seen such relief and joy on a face. <laughs> you know, it made an impression on me. Um, so, I mean, these, whatever it is, it could be very meaningful. Self-discipline and sacrifice are hard. Sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, many Catholics, it's been a long tradition, they give up meat during the time of Lent. And I saw this funny letter. It was dated 2010, and it was a response to an owner of an alligator ranch in Louisiana. And it was from the Archbishop of New Orleans, and he wanted to assure him that alligator was okay to eat during Lent. <laughs> Part of the letter said, the alligator is considered in the fish family. And I agree with you, God has created a magnificent creature that is also important to the state of Louisiana, and it is considered seafood. <laughs> so if you gave up, you know, meat for Lent, have some fish and some alligator. <laughs> when we give up something, it creates a void. So if you give something up, something is going to fill that void. So it's kind of good to think about choosing something that is going to take that place. If you're giving up chocolate or meat, then perhaps it's to identify with the sacrifices of Jesus or maybe with the struggles of people throughout the world who never have the luxury of chocolate or meat. Um, perhaps you would give the money that you would have spent on those things to people who are hungry or um, to cause, you know, good causes for others. Here are some ideas that people have given up things, but then they concentrate on taking something on. Um, we could give up complaining, but then focus on gratitude. Give up being judgmental and consciously practice non-judgment. Give up worrying and practice trusting God. Give up that inner critical voice 
and instead practice self-affirmation. Give up negativity and instead practice being positive. <clears throat> Give up bitterness or resentment and actively practice forgiveness. Give up selfishness and lift up and celebrate the gifts of others. And sometimes instead of giving anything up, we just add something on. Perhaps um, uh, increasing scripture lesson or daily time in prayer, maybe taking a, a small group study or a day retreat. We have a great opportunity here because um, <clears throat> the daily devotional writings are posted in the Facebook, uh, face, the, face, the Holy Covenant Facebook group and on the website every day. So that's a very easy way to um, add a Lenten discipline. Or you could do extra time, for instance, um, doing volunteer work or spending time with others in need. So in addition to all these many Lenten spiritual disciplines, today I wanted to talk about spiritual literacy and how an understanding of that can help us experience the presence and activity of God in new ways and help us grow in our faith. We normally think about literacy in the United States as being able to read and write standard American English, and apparently it's becoming more of a challenge these days. And uh, part of it is just our educational system. Part of it is immigration and becoming more of a global um, system of communication. And then also there's the rise of so much texting with abbreviations and emojis and we forget how to spell things. Um, I have a young friend who is experiencing the wonders of using a dating app for the first time. He was telling me how um, he's kind of narrowing down who he actually meets in person. And he said he was talking to this guy and they were having a great conversation. And of course, it's all texting. It's not talking, talking. And um, so he said, and then he said he worked at a warehouse. W-H-E-R-E, -E, second word, house. He asked him, you mean a, exact same way, where, house? And the guy said, yes. And that was the end of that. He said that just, that, that, was, the, that was the line for him. <laughs> he, he, he just, no, mm-mm. Um, another friend was on the, at work speaking to a customer over the phone and getting the correct spelling of his name, and he said, it's T, like tsunami. <laughs> she, said, um, she said, I got that, sir, but you may not want to use that as an example because you know, so many people have trouble spelling. He said, that's exactly why I use it. Then if they question it, I say, you know, it's like the P in pterodactyl. <laughs> <clears throat> well, a few years ago, it was in the fall of the year, Bill and I stopped by the bank. This is when you couldn't make deposits at your kitchen table and stuff. And we both had different business to take care of, so we were at different tellers. And I finished my transaction first and was just waiting you know, for him. And I noticed this colorful sign with fall leaves all around it that said, free chicken. I thought, well, that's weird. All the stores are having these free turkey giveaways, but I guess they're doing chickens. Okay, but wait a minute. The store 
they're used to dealing with like frozen food and storage and all that. I wonder how they're going to do it at the bank. They'll probably have like a big truck come or something. Or maybe it'll be like a day and it's like rotisserie chickens and we'll come pick up like our a baked, you know, ready to eat chicken. Or maybe it's a coupon and, it, and they, they give you a coupon for chicken and you get it at the store. Or, or maybe it's a KFC coupon. So I am way down the rabbit hole thinking about the bank giving away out this, this free chicken. So Bill finishes his transaction and we're walking out by that sign at the door and I realized it said free checking. <laughs> All that time. So I didn't read the sign right. I missed it. I missed the message and was way off because I didn't read the sign right. When we talk about spiritual literacy, it's the idea that there are all kinds of spiritual signs around us and within us that if we read them correctly, lead us to a rich world of meaning and connection with God and others and a fulfilling life. Um, I'm having a technology issue. This is very interesting. There's two pages on top of each other. Hmm. Well, I can remember things. Um, the very first appointment, full-time appointment in the church, I had three little churches in the western part of the state. Two of them were small and one of them was tiny. The average attendance on Sunday morning was eight. And I think, and that counted me, and some mornings I think they also counted my guitar to get to eight. <laughs> so their most recent hymnal was the 1938 Cokesbury hymnal. So, you know, I was trying to give them the full worship experience, and so I would print the responsive psalms in the bulletin and introduce some new hymns. There was no participation. That little church was just quiet. It was just me. <laughs> I was doing both parts of the responsive reading. There's no response. Well, as I got to know them and got to know the church, um, I realized that several of them could not see. I mean, they couldn't see as well as I could. And the ones that could see, they couldn't read. Well, one of the men in that community was a master mechanic. He could fix anything. And one woman had raised a family of six, making most of her, the clothes by hand. And when I say by hand, I mean starting from growing the cotton and shearing the sheep. And there was uh, another person there who um, kept bees. And he knew how to get the honey from the bees without wearing protective clothing and without getting stung. Now, as far as written signs, books, papers, hymnals, uh, bulletins, these people were illiterate. But they could read the signs around them that were necessary for their well-being and for their success in life in their situations. They could read nature, seasons, machinery, relationships. So there's all different kinds of literacy. My favorite book on spiritual literacy says, life is a sacred adventure. Every day we encounter signs that point to the active presence of spirit in the world around us. Spiritual literacy is the ability to read the signs, 
written in the texts of our own experiences, whether viewed as a gift from God or as a skill to be cultivated, this faculty enables us to discern and decipher a world full of meaning. Um, that's from the book, it's called Spiritual Literacy and it has great resources about um, ways to develop spiritual literacy as a skill. When we look and experience <clears throat> God's presence and activity in nature, events, people, everything around us, you know, some people can experience God in a rock or some bread and cheese. <laughs> yeah, there are spiritual messages everywhere. I want to share a favorite poem that I uh, learned from Nancy Allison about a child's experience of God. It's called The Lap of God by Martha Popson. She was shelling peas, apron-covered knees spread wide to catch each pea, each pod. I, shaky, needy, wandered near. Her ancient swollen hands pushed back the hair that hid my face. She sat down the pan and patting her knee said, oh child, come on up here and let me have a look at you. Her voice was safe and so was I sitting in the lap of God. I think sometimes children just automatically interpret God's world in spiritual ways and learn about God by how they are treated by adults, which is why I think it's so important that we be examples. A spirituality that does not touch every single aspect of daily personal and communal life is bogus, Thomas More. And uh, Sometimes we experience the most uh, God moment through things that are beautiful or wonderful, a glorious sunset, vast beauty of the ocean, and we experience God's love and glory through a great relationship or, or just the changing of the seasons. But sometimes we experience uh, this spiritual literacy as we're able to read the movements and it's from a negative experience. You know, sometimes uh, people that we would not choose to be our teachers, we would call them maybe our thorns in the flesh. <laughs> uh, sometimes those are the way that we learn. Um, for example, <clears throat> Shelby is so annoying. She talks all the time. Oh no, not Karen, she gets all up in my face. Oh my goodness, I have to work with Tom today. He makes me so uncomfortable, he never says anything. You know, so some people, it could be one thing and another. So in other words, one person's thorn in the flesh might be somebody else's best friend. But for um, those unable to read the signs of spirit, these people uh, continue to be annoying and uncomfortable and you know, daily life can be very frustrating because some of these people are your neighbors. Some of them may be in your church. <laughs> some of them may be in your family. 
But for people who have learned to read the signs of the Spirit, all these people who we once thought as thorns in the flesh become our teachers. They become the ones that are showing us who we are and teaching us lessons that we could not learn any other way. We turn to wonder and ask, okay, what does this mean? Is God asking me to meet a need? What can I learn here? Is this a chance for me to practice empathy or boundary setting and self-care? So we learn a lot through our relationships. The people we may have thought of as enemies are now seen as friends as they teach us these lessons. It's amazing how the things we look at and the people we look at change when we change the way we look. Because of people I initially considered thorns in the flesh, I've learned how to have empathy for those dealing with addictions, chronic pain, and symptoms of severe mental illness, to have compassion for people struggling with unmet needs, and to have respect and to honor the gifts of um, extroverts, as well as introverts, <laughs> to set personal boundaries and to have better communication skills and greater patience. I've learned that there's a lot of things I don't know, and there's people that have good advice and good lessons to help me. When we listen and look for spiritual signs, we also see God within ourselves. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. And Carl Jung wrote that you lose your soul if you worship God as if God were only outside of you. And my favorite quote, which is covered up, <laughs> The spiritual dimension of life is evident everywhere, in all places, not in just the holy, sacred, set-apart places, and not just in extraordinary deeds. And that's why I feel like it's ministry if I go out and, you know, sing a silly song or do comedy or do a murder mystery show, because in that, I am providing laughter, and extending grace and hope to people who would never darken the door of a church. We increase our spiritual literacy by practicing what they call theological reflection. We choose to turn to wonder, to ask ourselves those questions of where is God in this? What is spirit showing me? The constant challenge is basically our attention. Will we focus on that or, you know, our devices, our phones, and, you know, it, it, it tends to, to draw us in. And I want to say a word also about the other side. You know, we talk about reading signs. The writing part is also very important. Um, spiritual literacy manifests itself in how we write our lives, how we communicate, you know, authentically who we are. When we know ourselves, our strengths, and our challenges, and we trust the presence and activity of God's Spirit in our daily lives, then we can craft 
our communication in such a way that it shows the personal connection between ourselves and the will of God. It's a process that requires self-reflection and faith. Um, since it's Black History Month, I wanted to uh, choose Romare Bearden to feature on the bulletin cover as an example of a spiritually literate person, someone who faced the challenges of his times and used his many talents to chronicle and celebrate the lives and experiences of black people in mid 20th century America. And I encourage you, I, don't, I know you, the park you know, is named after him in Charlotte because he was originally from Charlotte. But if you are not familiar with his work, I encourage you to uh, look up these paintings. And it, it's also another example of like embracing uh, the wholeness of life rather than a dichotomy between, okay, this is sacred, this is secular. It's like his works, they, they all have this, this sacred quality to them. Some are particularly, you know, churchy, but, but some are, you know, just music and just vignettes of these people. It's great. <clears throat> we all have our gifts, our graces, our peculiarities, our strengths, and our weaknesses. I know that I have strengths in the areas of fairness and justice, creativity, humor, and music. You know, I would rather make something than find something. I take it as the highest compliment when people laugh at my funny posts on social media. <laughs> um, and our strengths and weaknesses are often connected. Um, for example, as a teen, I had a scoliosis and wore a full Milwaukee back brace, and I couldn't do much, but I could sing and I could hold a guitar, and that was when I learned to play. And uh, who knows, if, if one had not happened, if the other would have. I know that developing my heart of compassion and empathy, it's from being left out and left behind so much as a visually impaired person, sometimes as a woman, and knowing what that's like and, and having that empathy and not wanting anybody to be left out or left behind. Some of my current daily struggles, and some of you know this, involve trying to eat healthy, trying to get enough exercise, trying to stay focused and on task. So this is a little exercise in spiritual literacy, and it's um, very personal. It's a prayer I wrote. It's my own prayer. It's not something you'd see in a worship bulletin. But just to give you an example, of that connection of your, your authentic self and that desire to be in God's will. Thank you for every healthy bite I eat. Thank you for every time I move my feet. Thank you for every faithful plan I make. Thank you for every steadfast step I take. Thank you for every day my work is done. Thank you for every time I help someone. Thank you for every funny thing I say. Thank you for every joyful time of play. Thank you for every challenge that I face. Thank you for every victory with grace. Thank you for every mindful prayer to you. Thank you for every loving act I do. Thank you for every heartfelt note I sing. Thank you, God, for every good thing.
I'm grateful for the many spiritual disciplines that we have in our faith tradition that are open to us. They all encourage us to pay attention, to take time to listen and to become more aware of the presence and activity of God each day. However you choose to journey through this time of Lent, I invite you to increase your spiritual literacy by looking and listening for the signs of God's spirit and speaking your authentic truth. God can be found everywhere, even in your thorn in the flesh and even in the reflection of your own face. Thanks be to God who makes all things new. Amen.